0: Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu salam ala rasulullah Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi wabarakatuh What's up everyone, how's it going? My name is Malik and you guys are tuning in to Shahada Tribe Radio Guys, today is going to be epic, absolutely epic I'm so pumped about this episode So, today we have an interview with a sister Um, Her name is Sister Samrina. She um, previously studied at uh, Qalam, which is a, um, you know, a Islamic seminary. And uh, guys, I'm so pumped she's here. It really all started um, when a listener asked a question about the hijab. And so um, who better to answer that than, you know, women. And so, you know, I was kind of looking around and reached out to some people about, you know, someone who'd be interested in, you know, coming on the podcast and just talking about hijab, um, just from a from their perspective. And alhamdulillah, uh I'm so glad uh, to have to have met Sister Samarina and um, I'm super pumped that she was here to actually um, record with me and uh, kind of just talk about you know hijab uh, from a couple of different aspects. And so I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, I'm going to loop in that um, that audio. And it So it will kind of sound a little bit different But inshallah, inshallah it's okay And you guys take out from it um, the good things And uh, you know if there's anything bad, uh, may Allah forgive us And um, so, okay, alright guys, well let's get started Again, I hope you guys enjoy If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out And uh, we'll see you guys in a bit, inshallah As-salam. All right, uh, okay, so Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulullah um, so today we have an interview with Sister Samarina, and I'm super, super excited that, um, again, that you would, you know, take some, the time out of your day. I know um, it's kind of interesting how we actually met, or I think it's pretty, pretty funny. So Sister Samarina, you are, uh, or you finished Qalam, right? Like, a, can you tell like yes. some of the listeners just a little bit about you? So. Um, you know, just so we can kind of get to know you just a little bit. So you actually went to like an Islamic post, kind of like post, um, I don't know, like post college. Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know how to explain kind of what it is.
1: So yeah. Qalam Institute is an Islamic seminary. So it's based off of the traditional sciences of Islam. So you would have Quran and Hadith and all that stuff. But um, it's, like, based off of, like, modern thought also. So all our teachers are from, like, born and raised in America. And we have amazing conversations because you have traditional, like, Islam. But then you have everyone that usually goes to Qalam has been raised in America where you don't have access to Islamic sciences. And you can actually go to Qalam. Like, we have the youngest, I think, student we've had so far. I think they've been 16. And so, yeah, and all the way, my classmate, I think she's, I think she just turned 56. So, um, it's all the way from 16 to 56 and she's like like a PhD in pharmacology. She went to UCLA and then we have students who like after high school want to take a break and get Arabic and do this before they go to college and then we have doctors who take a year off of like being ER doctors just to study Islam for a little bit and then go back into the field. So, it's amazing the conversations and discussions that we all have in the different like fields that we come from. So that's a little bit about Qalam. You get to learn um, the Qur'an. You get to learn like what the Qur'an actually says in terms of translation. You get to learn the history of the Prophet, um, peace be upon him. So you learn his life story, and you learn, the, you learn how the Qur'an was preserved, and you learn how um, the sayings and the actions of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, how they were preserved historically. And so it's actually very empowering. And I personally didn't really grow up with much religion, at all right. so I'm from Southern California and I have a background in graphic design and marketing so when I did Kalam I was married I had a baby at that point so starting Kalam was something very new to me so oh. you yeah so it was you, very very different
0: so you before you even going to Kalam already you were I mean you had your degree already you were just already finished with with college yes. essentially so oh you're
1: yeah
0: this is like a new uh, adventure in, a, a, new in a sense yeah yes.
1: And to be honest with you, I didn't know what I was getting into. Like um, I actually, you know, first did a year of Arabic and I fell in love with the Arabic language. Because mm. as a Muslim, like we read Was that at Qal- That was not at Kalam. That was at Bayina, a different program in Dallas. Okay, and okay. And I did a year of Arabic. And after that, I was like you know, we need to know what the Quran says as Muslims also. So to learn it properly, it's it's more than just learning the Arabic language. You have to learn how it was preserved, the history, the context of the verses. So that was really important. And I, when I started attending Qalam, that's actually what they discussed, the context of the, ayat, the verses, like the context of the sayings of the prophet, like certain instances in his life and how like Islamic law is, you know, so versatile and how it's applied today in the world and how it's misappropriated and misunderstood as well.
0: So oh, it was That's... very
1: interesting for me because yeah. my world kind of like, boom, it changed a little bit. It changed drastically from, um, attending, um, column. So it That's was, awesome. it was a nice change. Yeah.
0: So you, so column is, is pretty new, right? Cause, yes. um, I knew, so one of, um, my really good friends, I think we... So this is this is how I actually got your information. I was like, um, so it's uh, Muhammad Herbert. subhanAllah. He's one of my most amazing friends. And uh, like when I, was, I remember when I first came to Islam, he was one of like one of my first like Muslim like friends, you know. SubhanAllah, like I'm truly blessed to have him as like one of my first friends, right? Because uh, I mean, he's just he's an amazing guy. Alhamdulillah but Herbert is awesome mashallah <laughs> mashallah and uh, I remember I reached out to him I was like hey you know any you know sisters you know would like to you know join the podcast or something he's like you know let me talk to you know maybe sister Samrina." so um, he told me yeah that you went to Qalem with him and he just graduated so you're, you're you guys were in the same class is that right
1: yes we were the okay. first four year graduates
0: for college so, so yeah so it's that new that's that it's I mean that's amazing it's very
1: That's great. So when first column started, thank you, it was, I think, 20 students. And now if you come to campus, they added on a fifth year. So now there's like 100 students on campus, which is amazing from every year.
0: Wow. Just in four years, 100 students.
1: And the campus looks very different. I've known Herbert for a couple of years now. So, um, yeah, he's a great guy, mashallah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he's listening right now. So I'm going to make sure. And be like, hey, you got to join the podcast next time, inshallah. Yeah, you should
1: make him join the podcast. He needs to fly in. I yeah, keep getting his state confused where he is now, Nebraska, or Oklahoma. I called it Nebraska the other day. He was like, I think he's in Oklahoma. I'm like, same thing to me. It's sad.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not Texas, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, I know. Yeah, no, he's, inshallah, oh, he's in Oklahoma. Yeah, I told him, I said, yeah, because inshallah, me and my wife, we moved back. To like the Dallas area in a couple months.
1: Inshallah. And
0: um we're having our first baby, which we're super, super excited and super nervous about. That's but, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> he was he was actually one of the first people I told and I was like, All right, man, you're the you're the guys, you gotta come out. And so inshallah, when you go back, we're gonna hang out with him. But yeah, so we're we just
1: babies actually, don't like Herbert though, just so you know <laughs> Because I have proof. I have a baby, Mediam, and she actually literally grew up on campus. She learned how to crawl, and, and she's been around her wow. Harvard since she was born, and they get into fights, you know, they fight <laughs> together, so I don't know.
0: That's hilarious. Um, so, yeah. you have, so you have two children, or you have one? I have
1: two kids. Yeah, okay. one is Adam, who just turned seven, and Goo, we call her Goo, um, she is two and a half. So, Why yeah. goo?
0: I'm, I'm so curious. Why goo? You know,
1: I have it's just a very random <laughs> thing. It's actually a really sad story now, but my mom, oh, no. I'm Pakistani, so uh-huh. my mom used to call us the word Goodda growing up, which means a doll. And for some weird reason, I thought it was funny to just, you know, we used to mess around and call her Goodda, but we ended up shortening it to goo. Uh-huh. So we ended up calling her goo for so long to the point that one of my teachers, Sheik Muntasir, started calling me Ongu for a long time, oh only God. to find out from my uncle he that in Urdu, like, it means, it means poop, so, oh,
0: no. this is sad
1: thing, I know, and then I was like, it's okay, like, it's not an Urdu word, we're using it as an English word, and then it, it means slime in English, so I was just like, it's not a good thing, but we can't, I can't let go of it now, she's such a <laughs> goo, too, like, she yeah. she's pretty wild, but... My son's like it's good, mom. We should let her be goo. She's gonna be so angry at us when she grows up. I was
0: like, Great. <laughs> life lessons, right? Life lessons. I don't know. <laughs> I know it's
1: pretty sad, but you know, now she's a goo. She's like the gulum mascot, which is really funny. But
0: that's hilarious. No, my my wife, she like loves like gulum. I think we have some friends who went there, and inshallah, she like the goal is trying to you know figure out a way to get her there because. Uh, I mean, she so she's Yemeni, she grew up, you know, Yemen uh, household, you know, but there's still, even though you can grow up in a, like a Muslim family or, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's still like things to learn and, you know, y- you want to kind of like think for yourself and have the tools. I think that's what uh, I felt like, yeah. you know, a lot of people get at, at Qalam and going to like these certain places, like you get tools in order to kind of think for yourself and... Um, you know, sometimes you're, maybe you can be fed a certain thing, not in a bad way, but like, you know, a certain ideology or a certain way of thinking about something. And when you have the tools to think about it necessarily, like, and in, in a different way, then it can, it can be a lot better, more beneficial. So I, and inshallah, you know, definitely where I love Gollum. And for people who, who are, you know, listening, um, you know, we get a whole range of, of people who are, you know, People who grew up Muslim, but people who are, you know, thinking about becoming Muslim or people who just became Muslim. So I, I, I wanted to definitely talk to you about, you know, Qalam like we did, because subhanAllah, like I, I think Qalam is, is an amazing point for no matter where you're at, really. Right. Like if you're new yeah, or it if is. You're, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's a uh, great. I think for
1: me, honestly, and I think for a lot of my classmates, it's been life changing. Um one is because a lot of us don't grow up understanding Islam. It's um it, you're right, you can grow up in a Muslim family that doesn't mean that you were taught Islam properly or maybe even had it, you know. Um and also you come from a different understanding of come growing up in America where sometimes st- Islam is stereotyped in the media and as gr- when you grow up in America, you are you believe the media because that's your media, that's your world, so you come with those stereotypes and you hold them. So, for me, I actually came in with a lot of stereotypes that had to be like you know, I tor- tore down at column. So, it was very interesting and life changing, and it does equip you like tools is like the right word that you use because I think the biggest thing that Qalam did for me was empower me in my faith, and it gave me access and tools to like Islamic. Traditional texts that I wouldn't have before, and right. to understand them properly, and to have the teachers around you, like the teachers I call them, were amazing. Like Sheikh Abdul Nasser Jangda, Mufti Kamani, Sheikh Montaser, Sheikh Mikhail, Abdul Rahman Murphy, um, they're all amazing, like amazing, amazing actually teachers. But more importantly, <laughs> like their character, it really so love... embodies it embodies Islam and it changes you um, as a as a person when you're around them. So I actually one of the greatest honors of being at column is being around all those teachers because they're very accommodating and very amazing and very understanding. So and very yeah. patient with questions, the questions because the Kalam students have a lot of questions.
0: Right, Good ones right. and
1: bad ones. But I bet,
0: I bet. Like you're <laughs> yeah. you're having to filter um I mean like stuff that people get from like just Google, right? Like the people like I'm sure people have just like, you know, tried to learn probably on their own right and they're just going to go to like Google and just Google answers and then you've got the media which has spun so so much stuff it it's it's unfortunate um because what what we see what is what people see in Islam from the media is not what Islam is right like i remember when i was growing yeah. up i grew up in a christian home um and what i knew of islam is Nothing, nothing at all, compared to like what I what I know, like as far as like the true what Islam is. You know what I mean? Like the
1: like yeah.
0: not this crazy terrorist thing and all this stuff that like the media portrays. It was one of the sickest and uh, one of the sickest things I ever heard. I was like, I remember my dad; he was watching uh, like Fox News, and I remember I was just kind of yeah. like listening to it, right? And it said it was like, not all, they say like, not all terrorists are not or not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslim like, and that like, you know, people think that right. And it's just like, ah, I I don't want to go down like a rabbit hole on that. But it was just like, you know, that's, that's the media, right? That's what we get. And um, even
1: Hollywood movies, like the stereotypical portrayal of the terrorist that comes on the plane, he's always Arab.
0: Arab, right? And he's speaking Arabic, which is so crazy, right? It's like Arabic's such a beautiful, like dense language, yet the media and Hollywood portrayed as, okay, Allahu Akbar is like the the terrorist phrase, right? And it's like, it's
1: (laughs) such a, and that thing is such a beautiful like tagline, right? It actually is like God is great in any language, that's amazing to say. But for, for Muslims, it's actually like a negative tagline that associates it with terrorism, which is, it's actually baffling, but it is what it is.
0: <laughs> it is. And no, that's why it's like, I mean, I'm sure you have, you filter so much like of questions, right? Like you got media, you got old people's like uh, mentality or, you know, even people who yeah. like didn't learn Islam the correct way. So uh, anyways, that's, that's. That's the plug for Golam, you know. Tell him to send me a check later. No, I'm just kidding. No, actually, there's a sheikh. What's his name? Uh, Mum, uh, you said Muntaz. No,
1: sheikh Montaser.
0: Montaser. Yeah, that's the yeah. guy. Inshallah, I want to meet like him. He's like the guy. Like whenever he's like doing a khutbah like at uh, like mic or something. I'm like, ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is gonna he's be so amazing. good right now.
1: Do you if you like books, you will love Sheikh Mun. He's like a walking encyclopedia even for like Islamic references. Yeah. He actually changed my life because he actually opened the door to so many resources and he doesn't need to look on his laptop or his phone. He will just while he's giving while during class he'll shout, shout out like books and authors and what the book's about and when they died and where what city they were from. It's amazing, actually. It's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. He's he's the guy like when I when I yeah, like I said, when I when I hear Hukbah or something, it's like, oh this is gonna be amazing. And his knowledge, subhanallah, uh, mashallah, he's he's a he's a great guy. He's a he's a guy I out of like I I like all the guys I call him. <laughs> no the like, you know, other yeah. rahman. But I just saying like if I had to choose like the guy that I like most connect with on like when they have their yeah. messages and things like that, he'd be like I'm like, ah oh, yeah. He's dope.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mashallah. He's pretty awesome, mashaAllah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So actually, I wanted to ask you, um, just kind of like maybe change gears a little bit. Um, So one of our listeners, um, we get, like I said, we get a a lot of different listeners, you know, some that are, uh, you know, new to Islam, maybe learning about it, people that, again, have been, you know, Muslim for a while, and they're just curious about, hey, how did this like hispanic guy become muslim you know what i mean like it's it's a full range of people which is great i love it and one of the questions that i got was from a from a mom and and her daughter and they they're at they were asking a little bit about hijab right and you know we kind of hit on it just a little bit you know how media and things can change the way people see our religion and uh (laughs) especially, especially, I think, when it comes to, like, the hijab, right? I mean, it's, it's huge. And I think it's grossly, grossly just misconstrued. And, you know, like, it's just, it's changed definitely how the media, like, the media has changed the, what the true meaning is and everything. But they asked me, they said, it, it's a flawed kind of question, but I, I'm going to bring up the question anyway. Uh, they're asking, you know, why why do men, like, force these women, uh, you know, Muslim women to wear the hijab. Right. I I know it's kind of a flawed question, but I wanted to keep, you know, true to, to the question, you know, a little bit, but, um, so you, you said you weren't, you grew up like in a non-religious household. Yeah. Um, did you, did you ever feel that like where you were forced to wear the hijab or like? No okay and yeah i mean you're from like you you come from like a pakistani background like that both of your parents or is it just
1: both of my parents are pakistani um i grew up in Southern california they're both muslim yes
0: okay okay
1: and um so i did grow up in a muslim household and they did have islam in terms of cultural islam so once a year we did celebrate eid you know and we like dressed up in you know, Pakistani outfits. And our parents gave us like EB, the money that you get or any gifts or whatever. Um, but besides that, we didn't have a lot of Islam in our house. So we didn't go to the masjid. We didn't go to the mosque. We didn't um, necessarily pray. I don't even know what prayer was until I was much older. My mm. mom still doesn't wear hijab. Um, and it's not a, I'm not saying it as, oh my God, my mom doesn't wear hijab, but it's just the reality of the life like my mom doesn't wear hijab I didn't grow up in a family or household that I actually even knew what hijab was I didn't even know that was a normal thing or a thing that Muslims do I didn't associate hijab with Muslims growing up I didn't know what that was yeah so I pretty much essentially grew up non-Muslim like I grew up celebrating Christmas and you know all the other things so um it was very different for me I grew up, like, you know, dyeing my hair blonde and purple for Laker games. Like, it was <laughs> a very different experience. My brother wanted to be a Hollywood actor. I grew up going to, like, premieres and different, completely, completely a Hollywood California life. So Islam wasn't in my life at all. So when I first started wondering about Islam was, I think it there was some war that was going on. And someone chanted, I think, a racist slur to me and called me, I was really little and they called me Saddam Hussein's daughter and I didn't know, know who Saddam Hussein was, I think. And that was, I think my first racial experience against me, um, from somebody. So I think that's the first time I even understood that there was another side that there like, there was some sort of like, Oh, you're the other feeling ever that I had ever experienced. And after that, yeah. it didn't happen for a long time. It, my, this is gonna sound very weird, but my parents, not that they're hippies, and I hope they never listen to this podcast, <laughs> but we grew up like going to these family parties that they would make us attend every weekend and the parents party till four in the morning while the kids were there. and it was very bizarre and they would like sing. It was a very interesting life. Um, and one, one of my family friends actually, um, her brother, he was a, a lot older than me, um, and he was actually really into Islam and he was really intellectual. And he was always, his dad was always talking about prayer. And so I came at him with all the stuff that I was taking in from the media and my friends and even what I was understanding. So I would actually just challenge him with like, why do you, why do I have to cover my head? Like, why don't you have to wear like a hat? Like, why are you wearing a goofy? Like, why do you, why don't I have like all these other like stereotypes that you get the all the other like question mark or controversial topics like polygamy and stuff like that. I was very, I was very combative in my um, approach to Islam. I was very angry. I was very, very angry because I, I did view it as a gender specific thing growing up. I really did. Um, and he actually would stay up till seven in the morning with me and my friend answering all of our questions. And one time um, he got so angry that he was just like, I don't want to like answer your questions anymore. They're too combative. And I want you to start reading. I want you to read. And once you start reading books, and he guided me through the books, um, yeah, a prayer yeah. book, a different hijab book or an Islam book. Um, You know, you always have that one person, I'm sure you did too, that guides you or was like maybe your pathway or beacon or someone that gives you the little bit of direction that just opens the door for you. Um, So he, I read, I read and I read and I read and I actually started, you know, having fewer questions because the more I read, the more fascinated I was. And I was more attracted to ideals about like the fact that there was a, a God that was like bigger than the injustices that you see with ra- racial inequality of like women and gender issues. And growing up in a Pakistani household, there's already gender like specific issues happening with like, your brother can go out and do whatever. And you have all right, these strict rules. Right. you know, so like, and that's, already angry. That's a cultural
0: thing. I <laughs> exactly. mean, and, and that's, that's th-
1: a very much a cultural thing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, it's so funny you say that because, uh. I think outside looking in, right? Like from, you know, a non-Muslim perspective, you you associate that that culture side with with the religion, right? Like so. like you're saying, you know, like um yeah, you know, the guy gets to kind of go out and do, you know, sometimes whatever he wants, you know, our, you know, the there's some families who maybe do like force a their daughter or somebody to wear like the hijab like or, you name. know, something like that, like, all those things are not rooted, like, in Islam, they're more of from that cultural standpoint, like, very um, cultural, I don't know, like, I, for example, like, Saudi, right, like, you know, wearing the niqab, like, that's, that's a huge, like, cultural thing there, and if you don't, like, wear it, it's like, oh, like, that's not a good, I mean, I know it's kind of changing and all that, but, like, not wearing the niqab is like, ooh, like, What's, you know, that's oh, yeah. that's the culture there, right? But then you go to, like, Malaysia, right, which is dominantly Muslim, and not everybody Amazing out there is country. yeah wearing, like, the niqab. Like, there's a culture difference, and I think not a lot of people see that. You know, like, uh, the media portrays Islam as, you know, just, like, one angle, one, like, they try to pin it down to a few sentences, you know, Allahu yeah. Akbar and uh, women's op- oppressed and, and things like that, but... Uh, anyways,
1: yeah, and I I think the irony is that 10% of Muslims are Arabs. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious of, to me. And, and I think the Arab culture is predominantly, like, you know, highlighted as a Muslim culture, which, you know, of course it has Muslim aspects to it, but it's not, Arab doesn't define Muslim. You know, Muslim defines Muslim. And Muslims are Pakistani, they're Indian, they're from Singapore, they're from Malaysia, they're from America, they're from
0: America, Africa. yeah. Canada you know? every like every yes. culture can mix with Islam South
1: America <laughs> like the my friend is actually Brazilian growing up in high school she was my best friend and her name was Samira she was Christian um, and her sister's name was Samia because her dad was um, there's a huge Lebanese population in Brazil oh, there's wow. a whole bunch of Muslims in Brazil and so even though they have Muslim names, um, they weren't Muslim because their dad's family, like, you know, his generation was Muslim. Mm. So, so it was very interesting, you know, so there's a, we're not like just sprouting out right now from like Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, so you, so yeah, so, you know, gr- little recap, like growing up, so not in a, like a Muslim household, Yeah. Um, you know, you didn't grow up with Islam like, everywhere around you, ton of questions, right? Kind of fed things from the media, um, you know, kind of coming to your own conclusions, found somebody who could kind of guide you. And um, you started reading and um, subhanAllah, like the reading aspect, that's what actually changed a lot for me is when I mm-hmm. started reading, um, things changed. When, and I, and Because I opened up the Quran and I was just like, because I always stayed away from reading the Quran. I thought, like, I was grew up in a Christian household or like, oh, it's the devil and he's trying to trick you, right? Mm. <laughs> so I wow. never, like, touched it, right? And then I finally, like, all right, let me just, all right, I'm going to read it and see what it's about. And you read, and subhanAllah, it's like, everything that I think or I thought, like, about a religion or thought about, like, what should be included and what should be good, like, it's coming from this book. Like, and then, like, you know, there's things that's, like, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this, but also from an aspect that I'm going to try and like disprove it. Right. Like, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. like what sometimes we have to do. Right. Is like, we have to figure out, okay, let me yeah read it for myself, but let me disprove it too. Right. And taking those questions to like, like you said, like people, right. But you got to be reading, you got to be educating yourself, be open to it and take it, you know, those questions to people. And when you do that, it's like, oh yeah, that. That makes sense. Like, okay, I get the context. I didn't know the context here. And things in context, of course, like people can say whatever they want with any religious book. I say that across the board. You can make any religious book say anything you want if you Mm -hmm. just take one sentence out of context. But So you started reading and, I mean, you were combative about the hijab. What, like, what, I guess, kind of changed it for you? Or when did you actually, like, even start wearing it because you didn't wear it before right
1: i didn't wear it before so it's interesting because in my teens i tried to experiment with it and my parents were actually against it so i wasn't allowed to wear hijab in my house
0: really so they said like no
1: they said no like my mom (laughs) my mom said no one's gonna marry me um they were actually my mom's friends i would actually sneak like not sneak out of my house but when i would leave my house i would wear it outside of my house and um, there were my mom's friends would actually call her and tell her that they saw me wearing hijab. So I would get in trouble for wearing hijab. I would actually keep a hijab in my glove compartment to put it on when I went to school, um, when I started college. But it was such a battle for me. I was getting in trouble for it that I wasn't able to do it growing up. Um, so actually, the first time I put hijab is when I got married, and that was 11 years ago. Fully, you know, because it was the first time that I could do it without having to be challenged, without be taken off my head or, you know, fully, completely being able to do it on my own and even understand completely what it was. So I, the reason I put on hijab is um, you're right. Like you need to read a lot and you need to go to people to ask questions. Um, But I would just like qualify that and say that you need to read the right books and you need to go to the right people for questions because you can also go to the wrong person and they can misguide you and give you the wrong information. So I did go to a couple people and um, I did, you know, I read the Quran. I actually tried to understand the verses that obligate hijab And for me, it was liberating to me because I felt like this life was bigger than man and was bigger than woman. It was about God. And I feel the biggest connection that Muslims have is to the book of Allah, right? The book of the Quran. And to know that's truly still the word of God unchanged was so powerful for me. To know that I didn't have to go through a man actually to be connected to the book. That I could just access the book on my own and understand its obligations in that limited understanding that I had at that time. But I did try to understand the obligations of hijab. And for me, it was just believing that it was a command from Allah, that it was a command from God, and that empowered me to put it on. So for me, especially the way I was, if it was a command from a man or if it came from my dad or my brother or my uncle, (laughs) guaranteed I wouldn't be wearing hijab today. So yeah. the number one misconception that I think we definitely need to wipe out, and you know, I actually think um, it's actually a valid miscon, like a valid question, because that is a that is a big misconception out there, you know, because I think there are cultures where you're right, women are forced to wear hijab, yeah. and I think overseas or maybe in other cultures where the women are sometimes seen, you know, maybe that is in the culture that the women women are of a less nature or like man is better or some sort of that misunderstanding and they are maybe oppressed and maybe those men happen to be Muslim and those cultures happen to be Muslim. So it gets misunderstood that those women, because they're wearing hijab, oh, they must be so suppressed and oppressed and now they have to dress in these black garments and wear the black hijab and they're not able to do anything when that is, it is completely like not true. So for me, the biggest thing that liberated me was that it was my choice to wear it. And it was my connection and my fulfillment of an obligation that I'm doing to please, to please God. And also I think like um, the misconception might also arise from Certain cultures like Saudi Arabia, the one that you mentioned, being highlighted as, you know, being oppressive to women. Whereas other cultures, if you go to the country of Malaysia, which, um, alhamdulillah, I was blessed to go to in 2015. Really? I actually okay. fell in love with that country because yeah. the women were amazing. Um, they're very, I don't know what it is, but I think in America, I. this is a little bit of a tangent, but we very <laughs> much celebrate extroverts. You know, uh, it's very hard to be an introvert anymore. I think the notion is like the celebration of extroverts. And, you know, if you're bold and you're outspoken, somehow it's more noble than if you're quiet and you're more observant. And Malaysia was amazing because the women celebrated their femininity. It wasn't like an oppressive thing. If they wore hijab, it was like beautiful. If they didn't wear it, they weren't like looked at and gawked at. The women were so highly educated I, we went to some man's house who, I don't know, he was like some province minister or, you know, man, something high, po- he had some really high position. And his. you would think I was really, actually, I was stereotypical. I went, we went, we were invited to their house for lunch and I thought he would have like the typical trophy wife, you know. She came out, she was like a full-fledged doctor with a clinic. And it was amazing to see. I saw like a 70-year-old woman wearing hijab a PhD, attending Arabic classes. I was astounded, actually. The women were, wow. like, educated, supported. It it was a fantastic experience for me even at that, even just three years ago. Because even me, like, being American and Muslim, I do have my own stereotypes about right, other countries, right. you know? Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. So for me, those stereotypes actually fell when I went there, and it was beautiful.
0: It was yeah. beautiful to see. No, and exactly right. Like Like you said, 10% Arabs are, I mean, or so 10% of the Muslims, you know, are are Arab, right? Which is a small percentage. I mean, we've got so many Muslims on this planet, yet, you know, the media, you know, takes that 10%, really like that 0.1% of like what Islam is and all that stuff and just kind of puts it into this small, like little thing. And yet they don't highlight like, you know, people like nations in countries like Malaysia, right, where you have, and even other countries where when, there's, like, women who became prime ministers, like, first ever prime ministers. I think, like, in Pakistan, there was a woman yeah. prime minister. President like,
1: Bhutto, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, in America, you know, and not to bash America, but, like, America's like, oh, yeah, we're, like, so advanced. It's, like, you guys haven't even had, like, a woman yet. Like, you guys claim, like, being progressive towards women and all that. Like, there's women, so many... Even- yeah,
1: like, black men like Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Even racial wise, where gender specific wise, men and women being equal, a race is still an issue. So
0: right, yeah. but like you would expect, right? Like you know, a Muslim, like a predominantly like from the and I, this is yeah. from the lens of like the typical probably like Muslim here who grew up hating like Islam. Like yeah, you would from that lens, you would think. A all Muslim kind of country, yeah, there's no way. You know, women are oppressed and they have to do this and that and they don't get to be educated. You would never think that they would make it to become someone who is like a prime minister or run the whole country. Like okay. that's mind blowing, right? Like for the people like who who like have those lenses, I a lot of it's education. You know, I, I truly think that there's um you know, knowledge is Supposed to raise ignorance off of ourselves and other people around us and uh inshallah you know with more knowledge and things that you know we do as as a Muslim community and educate the people around us, you know it does truly start with us right like we've got to be the ones to kind of make the change and not let media just you know, throw us around everywhere, and, like, I agree, you know, like, we gotta, we gotta do better as, as Muslims as well, I, I would say that, like, I I'm completely,
1: <laughs> 100%, I can't, like, I, that's why I don't always blame media, I'm, like, there, there's bad media, but where's a good one, you know, where, where are we, like, sticking up for ourselves, or not even sticking up for ourselves, just being Muslims, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, like, yeah, where, where are we at to, like, combat that, like, Um, granted it is tough where we are going against billions of dollars and a whole media that can brainwash everybody but you know from person to person like i think inshallah it's a big change yeah that's where change can happen Um, neighbors
1: friends um i also just on that president note i think currently the singapore um the president of singapore is a muslim woman that really? was yeah, I believe she was elected hijab? in 2017. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Unless, yeah, I don't know how often their elections run, but yeah, and it was um, it was so. You know, I don't know what stuff they have with their elections, but it's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah. No. And that's and
1: even from the time of the Prophet, the time of Omar radiallahu anhu, like when he was in power, he had women that were in managerial positions. It wasn't that even in the earliest times, if you take history the Prophet Aisha radiallahu anhu was, you know, the reason we have one of the most hadith is from her and the level of fiqh that we understand, especially women's fiqh and, like, health issues is because of Aisha, radiallahu so... And Aisha, there's a so huge Aisha to for,
0: yeah, for Aisha, for the people who are listening who don't know who that is, that is the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him. That's It was wife. And uh, she was um, considered, like, the... like. Most knowledgeable woman in like all of Islam and taught, you know, the companions of the prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Like they would come to her and ask questions and she would, you know, teach, she was literally teaching a whole like city of, of people just about Islam you know, it, it was literally on the, on her back to continue, continuously keep a lot of yeah. that going. Subhanallah. It's, it's amazing. So I didn't mean to it's cut amazing. you off. I just know that there's nope. a lot of people that may not know who Aisha was and I wanted to make sure they knew. Yeah. Inshallah.
1: And even in fighting wars, we have a famous sahabiyat, which means a female companion. Her name was Nuseiba and she was like fighting in the forefront of the, you know, the wars and stuff. So we have a lot of Variety of history with women in different fields, and I do think you know stereotypes and media does portray a certain image. And you're right; like knowledge is power, and we should empower ourselves with like the correct knowledge.
0: No doubt, inshallah, inshallah. inshallah. So I think, I think we debunked this. And, you know, like I, I, inshallah, you know, uh, I think you know that hopefully, you know, the people, if you are listening, you know, you you do see that that you know, Islam is not oppressive, um, to women. It may be something that's more cultural, but Islam in it's in its true essence, the, what Islam is truly about is not anywhere close to what, to what we see in media. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was, I just wanted to, you know, like it was a, it was a great question I get. And, that was great. you know, I think that, uh, as a, I was like, when I got the question, uh, from the, to the listener, I was like, you know, I'm a guy and I don't think, you know, I'm not the right person to talk about hijab, you know, like I don't, I don't necessarily have that struggle. I never had to deal with that struggle or anything like that. Or, you know, so, you know, just go ahead and thank you so much for, uh, for, uh, for doing this, um, and, and getting on and talking. It was, you know, inshallah it, it's beneficial to to a lot of people out there and um yeah thank you so much again I you, we got,
1: thank you, you for ha- having me
0: yeah you got to come back on the show sometime and uh you inshallah. Know, inshallah hopefully you know um sometime soon it'd be great i think uh i got to get my wife on here she has uh she always has like these little questions about like you know christianity that we talk like all the time yeah. I'm like, can we just record our conversation, please? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but inshallah, inshallah. So uh, again, jazakallah, thank you so much. Well, I, yeah. I, I... Well,
1: thank you so much for having me on. Hey, what's up, guys?
0: So that's it for the interview. I'm so excited that you guys made it through here and listened to the whole thing. Uh, wasn't Sister Samrita great? Like, if you, if you know her, reach out to her. Tell her she did an amazing job because mashallah, she... This is the first time she was ever on a podcast or anything like that and recorded this way. So, mashallah, she did amazing. Um, you know, I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this was something that was beneficial. Anything that was bad was from us. And uh, may Allah forgive us for our sins. And may He grant you all jannatul al And uh, guys, inshallah, we'll see you all on the next episode of Shahada Tribe Radio. Assalamu alaikum, alaykum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.